Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. All right, everyone, welcome back. Episode 78 of Parker's MMA Show. We have a very special guest today, Jared Vandera. He is a 12-5 and heavyweight, one of the most exciting prospects in the UFC's heavyweight division. He is coming off a fight-of-the-night performance at UFC Vegas 27, where he won a decision victory over Justin Taffa. And in that fight, Jared, you said your game plan was to grab the kitchen sink and hit him over the head with it. I think it's fair to say that you did that in that fight. Very excited to have you on. Very excited to talk to you, Jared. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. And yeah, no, I planned on beating him with the kitchen sink, but his head broke the kitchen sink, so. <laughs> so, Jared, every time we have someone on for the first time, we give him a chance to kind of start at the beginning, right? So you were born in Washington State. What was life like growing up? Uh, well, I lived in Washington for about a year, so I obviously can't remember. Then I moved out. I've lived over like 50, 50 different locations, 50, 60 different locations throughout my life. So I traveled around a lot, uh, just because I was poor. Uh, you know, my mother at the time was trying to find the best opportunities, uh, about a lot. And yeah, so I tried to make ends meet, uh, where, uh, where my adulthood, I went from Hemet, Paris, Vegas, moved around all over this uh, city I live in now. So it's kind of where I'm stuck out, sadly. So how did you first get involved in MMA, Jared? Um, I would say you know, I grew up enjoy enjoying fighting with my cousins. We just beat the ever-living shit out of each other. Then we jumped, uh, then I jumped into wrestling. Uh, I fell in love with the sport. Uh, then due to, uh, some injuries that took me out during the, uh, the last, like, like CIFs, masters in state, uh, I never really was able to go further in the wrestling career. And at the time, my gym just opened up in Hammond. So I jumped in on it. And uh, went with that. Cool. So you get you get started in MMA. You decide to take some amateur fights. As we know, that's kind of the wild west of MMA, right? Like nothing nothing gets kind of like jankier and crazier with promotions when it comes to amateur fights. Can you give us kind of your favorite story from your amateur career? Oh, actually, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you guys live, but in California, that, that it's actually highly regulated. Oh, really? Like, we live in Texas, and it's wild, man. Like, it's people fight in barns. They fight in, you know, front of bars. No, it's actually, no, we, we actually, stuff here is regulated really well. Uh, camo, MMA, uh, like the uh, California Amateur Martial Arts Organization works, like, basically hand-in-hand with CSAC. So, like, there's definitely jankier promotions around here. We got Gladiator, uh, Cali Cage Wars, stuff like that. So there's some of the jankier sides of things. Cage Wars, you know, with Amsterdam Pro. Uh, but, like, Gladiator's kind of on the jankier side. Uh, but 
he had came to like Trey and got really good uh uh like really good promotions. Uh they're okay, like Dan Henry doing their own. They have the ring that's trained and they have a balcony so people could watch and that one's maybe the janky one that I could say, but I mean it's held very professionally. Uh I mean I, I personally like it. I know some of uh, like some of my uh, students are going to be fighting on the card. Uh, they like it because it's there's a familiar it, and I have even talked to people that have never been to our gym. Gym environment is something that they're familiar with, and they enjoy it. Uh, outside of that, there's uh, one promotion I've worked with is Epic when I was amateur. Uh, Epic had some. Uh, they would go to certain hotels with giant venues. Uh, that's always been fun. They've had uh, go-go dancers, stuff like. The, the, uh, I've been in a, a, a bar slash venue. That was also fun. So it's it's things like that. You know, like it's actually very organized here, surprisingly. But yeah, very organized. It's uh, the worst show is just because it was a really hot day was there was a fire at Del Mar uh, fairgrounds and the sun was just blistering hot so at or the rain hot because they had an outside event and then you were stepping on it you're like fuck 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 it <laughs> but that I mean that, that's something you know they weren't suspecting because Del Mar doesn't get that high. It, it gets hot, but not like, oh shit, we we're scorching to death. Nice. So talk a little more about um, kind of the first time you linked up with Dan Henderson and what it's like to be around a guy like that that's a legend in the sport and it's kind of done and seen everything you can see in the sport. Uh, so the the gym that uh, went to a, a, it was called Primetime. Basically, it was just a, a bunch of Team Quest fighters uh, opening up their own gym, and they just changed the name. Eventually, uh, there was a like a split between the two groups. Then there was another Team Quest that opened uh, in the same city. I, I eventually t- took over that Team Quest that I'm currently at now, uh, and. Um, while I was, you know, just they're like, hey, you need to go down to Dan Henderson's Athletic Center just because you need bigger bodies, stronger bodies. So I just started going there and started working with, you know, Sam, Sokoju. Uh, and then eventually, you know, people come in, come out. I started working with my teammate Jamal, Dominic Reyes uh, later on. So you, I started running into a bunch of names. Uh, but with Dan himself he's he's a very quiet person like he, he he will be like yeah you you got this you go do that like he keeps things very simplistic he's not not this really deep conversationalist so it's nice because you, you don't wonder what he's thinking he kind of just like yeah do that all right cool <laughs> Sweet. so uh talk about obviously you had a long amateur career um I know you had a lot of fights. When was when was the point when you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go pro. I'm ready to start, you know, doing this full time. Uh, I just got an opportunity, kind of. I like it got to a point where I think my last amateur fight uh, scared a lot of other 
heavyweights, they're like, yo, you just beat this dude up. And no one wants to fight you now. <laughs> oh, I I didn't realize the guy that I beat was that big of a deal. Not to like, like he hit hard, but I didn't realize he was that like that big of a deal in the amateur circuit. So it became very hard for me to find fights. Then I turned over. Uh, then there, uh, I was working with King of the Cage in my last amateur fight. They're like, "Hey, do you want to go pro to fight this guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, screw it, let's do it." And that fight uh, was like 48 seconds, and yeah. Nice. So you start your your pro career uh, five and zero, all finishes, and then you get your first, I believe, title shot at LFA Heavyweight Championship. Um, what what was that period or that run in your career like? And then what did you learn from that first title shot? Uh, this was a weird one. Uh, so basically from that one to roughly about to my last LFA fight slash Smash Global fight, uh, I was working with uh, two managers like the first three or four, like I was because I was doing my own managing the first five fights. Those were all me. I get a new, I get a manager because I was having a kid, so I figured I have to like step it up because I would not have enough. Like I, I would have a lot of responsibilities with my daughter that I couldn't manage myself. Even though I was already talking to Elf, trying to get me a fight, they were like, "Okay, well." I hit a link up with these this manager group, and they just it kind of like I'm not gonna blame them because, but it's just my career kind of just went downhill. Um, uh, there were certain fights that came my way that weren't the best. Uh, some like some lame decision losses. Uh, I mean I can't blame them for my failures of you know not training hard enough, not finding the right openings, you know, all that stuff. But it just kind of went crashing down. Uh, mid uh, Smash Global, uh, my last fight with Smash Global, I decided to change uh, managers with Iridium. And it's been kind of good ever since then. I'm with them, I'm what, uh, three and one. Uh, the only loss was the Spivak fight, and that that comes down to more or less like the UFC jitters. Uh, like, you know, not to discredit my opponent, but like, like my ground game decided to see other people that night. <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad that that like that, that point in my life, I like there was a lot of uh, hiccups personally and professionally. And I think they kind of went hand in hand there. And so it just, it was, it tanked. Uh, I mean, granted, there were definitely highlights uh, of it. Like, I am, I actually like fighting five round fights. Kind of figured that out after my second uh, uh, fi- uh, title fight. Uh, the one in LFA, I saw that move coming early on, and I didn't think he was going to hit it in the final stage. He hits me with a standing Kimura, which, you know, won uh, Richard Odom's the title. But, you know, I learned from that, and I was able to kind of... I enjoy five-round fights. I actually do a lot better in a five-round fight. Uh, 
it was kind of brought up to me or brought up that oh his strike looking fresh in my last fight like oh he's he's looking good round three how I'm better three four and five I could do those title rounds a lot easier and instead of like the first two rounds I come in pretty good round one two but three four and five I'll fuck your day up so let's talk a little bit about those those title fights, right? Like you you win two kind of regional belts after the after the LFA title fight. What what is it like being a, a regional champion, right? Where you're like, you know, kind of they know like eventually you're gonna be good enough to leave the promotion, but at the time you're the champion. Like what it, what is that experience like? Uh I don't know, because uh, like when I'm from KFC, they treated me with the utmost respect, and I gave that respect back to them. And you know, like now they're happy. They're they're excited to see me leave. They're like, yeah, our guys are in the UFC. Their title, uh, well, their title holders went into the UFC in the last. Uh, so about that. that means that they're doing right. Uh, when I won a global title, they were happy that I went to. To the UFC, like messages from both promotions, like "Yo, you're rocking us," you know, like good. So, to them, it's it's more promotion and more uh, attention to. They're like, "Hey, this fighter came this from us. This fighter came from us." So, they're they're all for it. And then what is that like when you get that call to be on the Contender Series? Like, where were you? What time was it? You know, tell me that story of when you got that call. It really wasn't that exciting. I think I had a, like, it was a late night. I got home, slept, and then I woke up at, like, 6 in the morning. I looked at my phone. I'm like, oh, shit. Contender Series? Yeah, I'll take it. Walked in, uh. I told my fiance, like, hey, fight. And, yeah, that was kind of that. She wasn't the happiest we were fighting at the time, so she was like, I don't know. Sorry. But, but it, was, it was as simple as that. Like, it was just, I woke up to the text message. I they said yes to it. So, thanks, story. I, like, like, hey, you want to fight contender series? I'm like, so I guess I'll ask you then, what what is it like to then go on the Contender Series and get the contract? A lot more more restrictions than UFC. Like it was it was very like do this, be here on time, don't do that. Then you're like, damn, okay. Like fall in line. But once I got in the UFC, they were a lot less strict on us. There was there, there was definitely strict policies due to COVID, but like go out of the room you can breathe a little bit like you walk around the little you're like oh damn but stay in your room if you want to work out work out in the private room like they have FBI, none of that but now in the ufc 100 percent access to it and honestly i love the bi i see why a lot of top uh top ufc fighters go there very uh, inform- informal people there, so. 
So talk a little bit about that. Obviously, there's you mentioned it, but there's a lot of rules due to COVID. Obviously, you're in California. You know, there's a lot of rules around that, around training. You've mentioned it in the past, like talk about your struggles kind of with COVID in general and just being able to train and find training partners, everything that kind of comes with being an MMA fighter in a global pandemic. Uh, so it wasn't that bad. Like, like, so I bought, I bought team quest and I was, uh, trying to open it up the day that I had my, my final exam was, or like the second to final exam was the day that we had to shut down for COVID. So California, like I had this place shut down for what, Three, three months, and then our governor gave us that two-week window of like, hey, we're opening back up. Let's let's run this. So in that two-week period, I got cleared, opened up uh, business, and I just said, fuck it, we're staying open. None of uh, the sheriff down here was like, hey, we're not going to force businesses closing. Stay open. Keep yourselves, you know, do, do what you need to. And we kept business running. Um, he made uh, at Dan Anderson. Basically, the sheriffs were like, "Yeah, keep on train through this whole pandemic," and yeah, it didn't really hit me that hard. It only hit me de- December when I was supposed to originally fight uh, Spivak. When I got COVID, that's the only time it affected me negatively because I think I, my mindset going into that one versus the second time. Would have been completely So what what was the biggest lesson you took from that Spivak fight when you eventually did get it? Honestly, it was you could hang. You could beat. Like, I, I kind of overplayed Spivak around in my head for, for like that two, three month period. I was like, oh, he's so good. And then, honestly, realizing that that fight was... 98% of him in my half guard. That, that, that was it. But, like, he couldn't pass my half guard, and I didn't do shit in half guard. And the problem is, is half guard's my fucking shit. That, that's my... Well, I'm half guard is one of my positions, and I did absolutely nothing for it. And that was completely on me. Well, obviously you learned something from it because you, you come out against Justin Taffa and you just have an absolute banger. You get the win. I mean, fight of the night, extra extra 50 Gs in your pocket. Talk me through your mindset in a fight like that where it's just an absolute dogfight and you're throwing everything you can at this guy and you just can't put him away. Uh, I was like, fuck, I'm bleeding. I just lost this fight. <laughs> literally, literally my thought. I was like, damn it. I, granted, I did tell one judge. Uh, because I didn't know he was a judge, and he was like, yeah, I'm judging your fight tomorrow. I looked at him dead in the eye. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to fucking bleed. I'm going to bleed a lot. I'm still, I, I like, I'm winning the round. I'm still a 10. It's like, you know a dying piece when you see it. Like, I'm a 10. And, <laughs> and I'm hoping he's one of the judges that gave me all three rounds be like, yeah, he was a 10 the whole entire time. Yeah. So, hey, anyone? Obviously, you got a got a big win there. Anyone you have on top of your mind to fight next, or is it just kind of next guy up? Uh, so originally I called out Andre Olowski just because I would love to fight Andre. That, that like, 
like I, hero like um but the same night i fought uh the same night i fought uh ben rothwell fought too but um ben went to his manager i went to my manager they're like we can't make the fight happen so i was like damn it i'm like i'm down he's down why can't we punch each other in the face uh, so that didn't work out and so I'm I'm looking. Uh, I'm not necessarily rushing into. I need to fight in July or August because I am having another kid that w- I would like to be present for. But I'm looking for something in September, which isn't that far away. Park, here's a business idea for you. We need to get Tinder for UFC fighters, and you could just swipe left or right on people in your weight class say you want to fight. And then they'll send it right to Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby. They can make it happen. Well, the, the problem would I'd be like, right, 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 right. Nunez <laughs> <Yes>, left. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, Jared, but you might be the ugly dude in this scenario. Because I know a lot of ugly dudes that that's how they do it on Tinder, too. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely the <laughs> ugly duckling in this in this Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about kind of what does your daily routine look like? Is any kind of weird habits or ritual you do leading up to fights? Not really. Uh, I, I, I'm not – okay, I'm a weird person, but I'm not like out of the box weird. Uh, like I'll paint my nails occasionally, like the fight week. One, because I know my daughter likes seeing it something me and her do uh but i it's also like my alt goth phase that never died out <laughs> um yeah like that's maybe the most weirdest thing i do but i mean outside of that everything's mundane my practice routine is three to four hours in the morning uh training go home for a bit act like i'm a father and then go to gym teach <laughs> teaching and then repeat nice uh, talk a little bit about recovery what are some things you do especially coming off a war like that how do you you know get your mind and your brain right to re-rack and do it again i don't i, I don't recover like I yell that all the time like why why aren't you like ice bath why why don't you? i'm just like i think it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> So you do nothing, like no massage, no nothing. You don't even have like one of those things you rub your foot on, like nothing. Some of that stuff. I'll do massages occasionally because I dislocate a lot. I'll go to a chiropractor, but I'm not like I need a massage weekly. I need to loose. I'm just like, ah, let's do this another day. I'm way too damn busy to recover. I'm just going in, going through the emotions. Um, I'm forcing myself to take three weeks off. Like I say forcing myself because I'm forcing myself. It is hard not to go to the gym and train right now. I'm like, I want to punch somebody. I found out that one of my teammates is having a fight and I'm like, I need to be there to help him. But I'm like, no, take, but I need to help him. No. So (laughs) it's a very bad duality for me. Uh, So it's right now I'm just trying to get, that uh, life uh, centered and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about the rest of the year. Kind of what are your goals, both professionally and personally? 
Um, more or less just be around when my daughter pops out, and then once that happens, punch as many people as I can. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, like I am not. I, I am definitely not a goal-oriented person. My fiance hates that, but I, I truly, <laughs> truly fucking hate making plans. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, that's just that's an amazing mindset to have for a professional MMA fighter. Um, Jared, what the last segment we do with everyone who comes on the show, we do five rapid fire questions, just like a five round fight. Um, I'm going to ask you questions. Just tell me the first kind of thing that comes to your head. Um, try and keep it themed to whoever's coming on the show. I know you're a very big guy. You're heavyweight. So I got five kind of heavyweight related questions here for you. Um, just let me know when you're ready. Uh, I'm ready now. All right. Question number one. Who would win in a fight? The top five UFC flyweights together or Francis Ngannou? Oh, Francis. Question number two. What is the tallest building or mountain you have been to the top of? I don't go mountains or buildings. No heights. All right. Number three, what is the heaviest thing you have ever lifted? Uh, I don't know. Like I squatted once like 750. That is, that is a lot. Um, question four, what is the largest meal you have ever eaten? Oh, that hard. Oh, I remember one point I had two rack ribs, potatoes and stuff like that uh, on I eat about a pound and a half of steak nightly, so uh, this one's hard. Big meals. (laughs) (laughs) And then question number five, maybe the hardest one. What is the largest animal you think you could take in a fight? Oh, actually, this isn't the largest animal. It will vary on the animal because, like, I think I could easily take on uh what is it what was big uh rodent thing um uh, there's a rodent that i i forget it capital capybara capybara like that that i think so you think you could fuck up a capybara yeah because I, I okay, fuck that. but then again like if i fight a hunter, it's a hunter. like that, that's that's too little and too crazy of a fight that I don't want to have. Bro, you might not beat a scorpion, and that's very little. But the question is the, the largest animal, so you're going with capybara. Yeah, I feel like it's a safe ant or a platypus. I feel like I just they're a little bit slower. I think I can kick them if I'm the one. Done deal. Capybara or platypus. What an answer. What an interview. Jared Vandera. A little bit more. Like, oh, I'll take a ry- uh, rhinoceros. Fuck no. Like, that shit would fall me. And then what? A hippo? What? So I could get capitated or a freaking split in two? No. That's dumb. What about a giraffe? Do you think you could take a giraffe? No. Do you see how tall they are and how much weight they are? <laughs> they have decapitated lions by punting. Yeah, I'm going to fight one? No. We're sticking with Capybara, dude. I think this is the answer. I think we solved the riddle. Yeah, like, I, I'm being realistic. I, I know my animals, like. 
You're a heavyweight UFC fighter. Think about the rest of us here, Jared. I, I got no shot against these things. Yeah, like, like, do you think you take a kangaroo? God no, dude. I'm 5'9", 160 pounds, Jared. I, I'm like, there's a lot of people that go, I'll fucking kangaroo, fuck up a kangaroo. No. Bro, you seen the jacked kangaroo on Instagram and stuff? Like, these things are enormous. Yeah, like, like, and chimpanzees, everyone's like, oh, fuck up. No, no, you will not. They'll take your face with them. Yeah, they'll rip your dick off. I will off not for fight sure. any, no primates, oh, no primates. I would not fight a single other, like, like any monkey or ape, I'm out. I might fight a lemur, but that won't be a hard one. I love lemurs, but. Dude, they're quick. They'll get you. If that lemur wants to get you, they're quick. There's a lemur called the sea fucker. It's a white lemur that they tend to be very lazy lemurs, but when they need to, they can easily clear 30 feet. One one leap. Are you a big animal guy, Jared? Like, are you really into animals? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I've taken way too many animal classes. Uh, my, like, I, like, I, all through high school, I took the zoology classes. Um, that was one of the few interests that I had. At one point, I dated a vet person. And, you know, they're they weird about animals. So I learned a lot from that person. And so, yeah. And even now, I still I still gear myself to animals. That's very nice. All right, Billy. Well, Jared, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you want to let the people know where they can find you on social media and any shout outs you might have? Uh, thank you guys for having me. And if you want on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, child. Sorry about that. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok under Jared Bandera. Awesome. Hell yeah. Well, everyone, my name's Billy Naden. That was Jared Vandera. He's Parker Keen. That was episode 78 of Parker's MMA show. Like, share, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Jared, thanks again. Let us know when you have a fight book. We'll have you back on. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it, man. See ya. Bye-bye. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit Parker Keen's MMA show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes. <laughs>